You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. We think of leaders, we do think of fearless leaders, the ones that can do absolutely anything. Wow. But today I want to talk about not fearless leaders, I want to talk about fearful Mm. And that's the title of our charge today, The Fearful Leader. So I want to talk to you guys about a guy named Gideon. Now, Gideon, for those of you that that don't know, was a great leader. And he did great things for God and for God's people. But he he started off very much as a fearful leader. So to give a bit of context about Gideon. So Gideon lived during the period of the Judges. So the judges' period was about 370 years before uh, the first king of Israel. So there was no like central leader for the Israelite tribes. And the way that it worked is that there was no leader, so everyone just did as they saw fit. Mm-hmm. And so when they would just do whatever they wanted, they would rebel against God. God would punish them. They would repent. They would come back to God. And uh, God would always deliver them in the form of a judge who would raise up as a regional leader. And Gideon was one of these judges. And the context of what Gideon was is that the Israelites were oppressed by the Midianites. What would happen is that every time during harvest, the Midianites would come across the Jordan and they would consume all the food. So there would be no food in Israel and the people, they would be starving. They would have this this big uh, oppression, this hardship on them. And they would know that the, the Midianites would come. And they said that they would be like a swarm of locusts. Mm -hmm. And locusts, what they would do is they would come and they would eat all of the crops. And then they would go away again. And that's what the Midianite armies would do to the people of Israel. So the people of Israel cried out to God to come and to rescue them and to save them. And God did in the form of Gideon. Mm. So that's where we pick up our story. And so if we go to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, in verse 11. So the Bible says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abysrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why have all these things happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So we see here uh, several things about Gideon. We see, number one, that Gideon was a proactive type of guy. And that every harvest, the Midianites would come, they would eat all the food. And so, but Gideon is like, man, like, I want to do something. I'm not just going to sit around <laughs> waiting for them to come and eat my food. And so what does he do? He takes the wheat and goes and threshes it. So he would separate the wheat from the chaff, but he doesn't thresh it at the wheat fields, he does it at the wine press. 
So, the wheat would be harvested at one time of the year, and the grapes for the wine would be harvested at a different time. So he's trying to think, like, okay, how can I make this work? Like, how can I try and keep this food for, uh, for myself? Mm. Because he's like, he's just like, man, I just, I want to eat this food. I don't want to, I don't want the Midianites to come and to, to, to take this away. So he wants to go, and God comes to him, because God, God what goes with uh, leaders that are doing something. Doesn't, he doesn't look at people that are just sitting around doing nothing, and be like, hey, can you start doing something now? Yeah. He goes with the people that are actually doing something, and then he helps them do something more. Yeah. And so God says to him, he says, uh, he says in verse 12, and the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I've heard it say, said in the past that Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior, but the angel just really spoke up to him and kind of like spoke into existence the fact that he was a mighty warrior. And this isn't true, because when you look at Gideon's life, he was a mighty warrior. He did incredible things. He had amazing victories and great battles against much larger armies. So Gideon was a mighty warrior, but he didn't believe it. And I think that this can sometimes be us, is that sometimes we can be mighty warriors and not believe it. And so it's not a case of you need to kind of like trick a person into believing they're a mighty warrior. Like, you're not really a mighty warrior, but I'm going to call you one in the hope that maybe you're going to start believing it. It's like, no, you actually are a warrior, but I'm just, you just don't believe it yourself. So I'm going to say what you are and help you to really own that identity. So God comes to him and says, uh, mighty warrior, uh, the Lord is with you. And the thing about Gideon is that Gideon uh, doubted, number one, in himself, and number two, in God. So he, he, first of all, he doubts God. He's like, hey, like, if God was really with us, like, why is all these bad things happening? Right. And sometimes we can feel that way. As soon as things start to get tough in our life, we can start to question, is God really with us? Yeah. And he's like, hey, like I heard about all this stuff, the miracles in the past, things that happened, but I don't see it now. Where, where are the miracles right now? And this is where God says to him, he says, hey, you're going to be the one to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. You're going to be the one that's going to save your people. And God, uh, the angel says to him, he says, go in the strength that you have. Mm. And Gideon's like, hey, like, I don't have any strength. <laughs> and it's interesting, why did the angel, why did God tell him to go in the strength that he had? Is so that he would recognize that he didn't have strength. Mm. It would be so that he would recognize that he actually needed God. Mm. He needed to go on God's strength, not his own strength. Mm. And so we see the first thing about Gideon, the first thing about the fearful leader is that he doubted himself. Mm -hmm. And my first point is, uh, point number one, is that, just that exactly, doubting yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that we as, as people, and especially we as leaders, can fall into the trap of doubting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Not believing that we're able to do things, not believing even that God is able to do things. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that. I think um, for, for us, we need to go back to, to focusing on, on what God says, not what we think. Because Gideon thought way too low of himself. He starts off because God says, hey, you're going to rescue your people from Midian. And Gideon's like, how can I do that? It's like, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. It's like, okay, that's, that's kind of a, a, a relative thing. It's like, maybe it was the, the smallest clan, but it doesn't necessarily mean the weakest. That's right. And then, then he says, oh, I'm the least in my family. So who said he's the least in his family? No, nobody said that. God didn't say that. 
But here, uh, Gideon, right off the bat, is doubting himself. He's doubting what God's able to do with him. And he's doubting what he's able to do as well. Come on. I think we like to, we can talk about pride. And pride, can, we can think of it as the overt, uh, the big man, the macho guy, thinks way too high of himself, thinks he's awesome, thinks he can do whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is true. That is pride. Mm-hmm. But pride is also thinking too low of yourself. Yeah. And so, I, I know for myself, I don't struggle so much of thinking too low of myself. Mm-hmm. I struggle with thinking too, too high of myself. That's my trap that I fall into. And I remember when I, I moved to Los Angeles to, to uh, the beginning of 2016 to train for the ministry. And I went onto the university campus. It was uh, California State Long Beach. It was a great university, very, very sharp students there. Just excellent. And it's a hard campus to make disciples on. And I was like, hey, I got this. I'm going to go crank. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to baptize everybody else. I'm going to go with, with my strength. It's going to be great. And I went. It didn't happen. We didn't have, I didn't baptize people the way that I thought that I was going to. And then it was really, I, I challenged, I was sort of doubting myself, even doubting God. Oh, God, are there really open people and stuff? And that's just pride. And for me, it wasn't until I actually was like, okay, I'm not going to go in my strength. I need to go by God's strength. And we went, I went to a different campus that we actually, we, we baptized our, our first disciple there in the campus, first one in, in over a year. And so um, that's, that's my weakness. My weakness is thinking too high of myself and relying too much on my own strengths. But the other side of the coin that other people struggle with is thinking too low of themselves. And think that, okay, well, I don't have the talent, I don't have the ability, and even it's so bad that even God was not able to use me. Is that when we start telling God what God can and can't do, that's totally pride. It's like, God's like, hey, I want to use you. And you're like, no, God, you don't understand. You can't use me. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm not able to do that. It's like, who are we to try and tell God what God can and can't do? And so I want to challenge you guys. Whatever kind of, like, trap you fall into. If you're more like me and you think too high of yourself, you think that you don't need God, that you can just go based on your talents, you can just make things happen, that's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Repent of that. You realize how much you need God in your life. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone that's more like Gideon, that you think too low of yourself, you think that actually, like, I don't have the talents, God can't use me, I'm never going to do anything mm-hmm. awesome, you need to repent of that as well, mm-hmm. and you need to realize how much God actually can use you. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so my challenge is that in 2017, 2000 is 2017 is the year of the impossible. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you guys, what is the impossible task that God has put on your heart? Mm-hmm. So the impossible task for, for Gideon was to destroy the Midianites. This was the oppressive army. They came in, they like a swarm of locusts. No one could stop them. And God's like, hey, you're going to stop them. This is an impossible task. Mm-hmm. But... Gideon, God put on Gideon's heart, and Gideon actually went and he did it. I want to challenge you guys to think, what is the impossible task that God has put on your heart? I want you guys to, to really have the faith and to have the, the humility to recognize that you need God, and it's going to be God's strength that's going to do it, but also that God can and will use you if you have the faith and if you have the obedience to do what God says. So, point number two, asking for a sign. So as we continue in Judges chapter 6, verse 17, 
So after God tells him all these things, this is great and everything, and Gideon is fired up. He's like, awesome, I'm going to do that straight away. <laughs> right? No. no. Verse 17. Gideon replied, if now I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. That is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and his broth on a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and there he called it, The, the Lord is Peace. To this day it stands an offer to the Ephesians. So, God tells Gideon, you're going to do this impossible task. You're going to destroy the Midianites. And Gideon was like, okay, I need some like certainty. I need some direction on this. And a lot of people, when they read this, they can be really like hard on Gideon. It's like, oh, Gideon, man, that sucks. <laughs> like, he's, he asked for a sign, like he's so faithless, he's so this, there's so that. It's like, but actually, like this is a big ask that God is asking him. And you, you want to know, it's like, okay, am I clearly understanding you, God? <laughs> and so sometimes when God puts something on your heart, that is an impossible task. Mm. It's okay. You can be like, okay, God, I, I, I hear you, but I just want to double check to hear that I really hear you. Really, we're, we're on straight. So just give, give me a sign. Mm. And that's actually okay. So getting he asked him for a sign. He, God, God's very patient with him. He works with him. He comes back. He gives it, he's like, all right, here's your food. And God's like, okay, put the, meat on the, put the meat on the rock and pour out the broth on it. Bit strange, I just went and I cooked this food for you. You're not going to eat it? It's like, no, no, put it, put it on the rock, pour out the broth on top of it. Okay, okay. Then he touches it and it bursts into fire. That's, that would have been pretty spectacular, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, okay, now I get it. And he says, and says like, man, he's like, the God says to him, um, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. Mm. Now, why would God say that unless Gideon was afraid and thought he was going to die? Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, this is crazy. What's going to happen? The rock's on fire. It's insane. <laughs> so Gideon asked for a sign. Mm. God gave him a sign. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to see that Gideon then put that into action. Yeah. So for us, when God gives us a, an impossible task, an impossible challenge, it's okay to ask God for a sign. Mm. But then when God gives us the sign, we need to accept it and we need to go with that then. We need to actually say, okay, here's a sign. I asked for a sign, God gave it to me, now I want to obey. Because mm. I think the challenge for us sometimes is that we ask God for a sign, God gives us a sign, you're like, wait, like, can, can you give me like another sign? Yeah. yeah. And wait, oh, oh, can you give me another sign? <laughs> because I think what happens there is that our problem there isn't uh, doubt or fear or anything like that. It's just a lack of submission. Because you see, the thing is that Gideon was a proactive guy. He wanted to do stuff. He just doubted himself. He didn't really think that he was able to do it. So then when God says, hey, I'm going to work through you, he's like, hey, just, just give me a clear sign so that I know you're really saying this to me. And then when he receives the sign, he accepts it and he goes with it. I think the problem with some of us in some of our lives sometimes is that we ask God for a sign. God gives us the sign, and we don't do it because we don't want to do it. Mm. Yeah. 
And so for us, we need to, if, if, if we're unclear as to direction in God's life, it's okay to ask for clarity, to ask for direction. But then when God gives us that direction, we need to obey. Mm. We need to actually do it and not try and wiggle out of whatever God wants for us. Mm. So I think in my own life, when uh, in terms of asking God for a sign, uh, the, the, the first thing that came to my mind was when I wanted to propose to Rebecca. Oh boy. And so uh, I started dating Rebecca in Los Angeles, uh, beginning of 2016, and I knew straight away, like, oh, she's the one. I want to propose like ASAP. <laughs> And I kept on making all these plans when I wanted to propose, uh -huh. do that, and my plans were not God's plan. So, it didn't happen. And so then it came to be the GLC, the Global Leadership Conference in LA, and this was in July of 2016. Yeah. And we were coming to London together, we were going to start leading, it was going to be great, and I was like, okay God, so uh, I want to propose, and if it's your will for me to propose, like right at the beginning when we get to London, I want to baptize somebody. And so we come to London, and I was like, all right, I want to baptize somebody in this first month, and then if I do, that's a sign, it's time for me to propose. The first month came, no baptisms. It's like, okay, okay, man, it's not, it's not your will, it's not your will. But, but like, this, the second month, if I baptize somebody, that'll be a sign that it's, it's, it's time to get engaged. And the second month came, and the second month went. And then I was like, okay, before EMC, then it'll be a sign, it's time for me to get engaged with the EMC. And it didn't happen, it didn't get engaged. And then finally, all right, okay, got it. I'm surrendered, I'm not even going to ask your time or whatever, I'm just going to focus on the ministry, just uh, whatever, just, just going to make it clear. Mm. And then it came into the new year, we went back to Los Angeles for the winter workshop, mm. things were started progressing in our relationship, things were moving forward, I was like, okay, okay, this is good, this is good, and people were started asking me, so what are you going to propose, what are you going to propose, mm. what are you going to propose? It's like, hey, I'm just, I'm waiting for a sign from God. <laughs> and then it came to, people were like, alright, bro, I think it's time for you to propose, like, okay, and then I put out um, a science for God. I was like, okay, now if, I, if it's time for me to propose, I want to baptize somebody, and I want Rebecca to baptize somebody too. And if Yay. we both baptize somebody, that'll be a sign that, it's, that you, you want us to get engaged. Yeah. And on Sunday, I baptized David, and Rebecca baptized Sam. And I was like, okay, that's a sign. And so Monday I proposed, and we got engaged. <laughs> Just say, hey, I, I asked for a sign, I got the sign, I obeyed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for me, choosing the person I'm going to marry is the biggest decision of my life. Yeah. I want to make absolutely sure that this is God's will, that this is not only God's will, but it's God's timing as well. Yeah. So I want to, hey, a clear sign that this is it. And so for us, when we have the challenges in our life, ask God for a sign. And make it a clear sign as well. Like, for me, that's pretty specific. Okay, I want to baptize somebody, and I want Rebecca to baptize somebody too. Like, that just doesn't happen every day. And so, for, for us, when we ask for a sign, don't make it like a generic sign. Like, oh yeah, like, if it rains tomorrow, that'll be a sign it's time for me to, to move to another church. <laughs> that's just, it's kind of, we can, we can fabricate our own signs. It's like, oh yeah, if the birds are singing in the morning, that means it's time for me to quit my job, right? No. So, ask God for a specific sign, and if God doesn't give you that sign, it means that it's not God's will. Mm. And if He does give you the sign, it means that it is God's will, and it's time for you to respond to it. Yeah. So, what's my practical challenge for you guys? 
You know what I asked you before, the, the impossible task yeah. that God has given you? Mm -hmm. I want you to pray for a specific sign that God's going to give you clear direction on what that impossible task is for you. And when God responds, either if it's a clear yes, do this, or a clear no, then to accept that. For me, if it, it was, uh, okay, it's going to take longer. You just got to be more patient before you get engaged. Okay, I did that. And now we're engaged. And I'm really glad I did it now as opposed to six months ago, trying to force my will over God's will. But at the same time, when it was clear, it's like, okay, this is the time to move forward. I need to respond to this. So this is my challenge for you, to, set, to, to pray for a clear sign for whatever it is that God's put on your heart. My third and final point, when you're afraid, just do it. So Gideon, uh, God appears to Gideon, tells him that Gideon's going to, to deliver Israel. Gideon doesn't really believe it, he struggles with doubting, he's like, oh, give me clear direction. He asks for a sign, God gives him a sign. Then Gideon needs to act. So in verse uh, 25, that same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the top, uh, the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of it this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, after the second, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants, as, did the, Lord, as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Bear's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Bear's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd that around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal is really a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerubabal, that day saying, Let Baal contend with him. So God calls Gideon, gives him a clear sign, clear direction, and Gideon then puts it into action. But Gideon did it at night because he was afraid. And we see that sometimes leaders, we're given the clear direction of what to do in our life, but it's still scary of what we need to do. But we just got to do it, just like Gideon. Because the thing that's interesting is that Gideon was afraid of his family and he was afraid of the townspeople because he was having to go against the crowd. It's especially challenging when we're called to do something that's against a popular opinion or against the status quo. Yeah. But Gideon, he went and he did it. He obeyed God. He tore down his father's altar, he cut down his father's Asherah bull, and then he sacrificed his father's bull on top of the newly made altar to God. And it's amazing because he, Gideon was right in that the sound people were ticked off and they wanted to kill him, but in a surprising turn of events, who was it that actually supported him? It was his father. Mm. So you would have thought that his father would be the most angry. Mm. His father worshipped Baal, worshipped Asher, the false gods. Mm. Gideon comes, destroys the altar, sacrifices the bull on top of it. And the father, in fact, actually says, actually, you know what? Gideon's right. Like Anyone, anyone that wants to kill him, they're going to be put to death. Mm. Let Baal fight for himself. Mm. 
And the thing is, is that as leaders, when we are um, challenged to, to do something, even if it's against popular opinion, a popular crowd, and we do it, we'll be surprised people's response. Because the people that sometimes we, we expected to really support it, really be encouraged by it, mm -hmm. a lot of times won't. Yeah. But a lot of times the people that we expect to oppose us actually end up supporting us mm -hmm. in a surprising event. So I remember uh, when I was in Indonesia working as a football coach, mm -hmm. and I coached the, the junior varsity team. And the junior varsity team was had this uh, infamous reputation of losing everything. Mm -hmm. Because the, the varsity team was with the, the older the older boys and their big strengths were they had the, the physical ability. So they had physical size, they had speeds, athleticism, and then also superior coaching. So that was when the best coaches went to the varsity team. And that's how they won. They won through their athleticism and through the coaching. Because the other teams would have been more skilled. But the problem was at the junior varsity level the, they didn't have the physical ability, they didn't have the athleticism, and they didn't have a lot of times the best coaching. It was just kind of like a, a leftover, whoever would throw together the team. Mm. And so then they would play against other people their same age, who would have been more physically developed, more skilled, better coaching, and they would just get destroyed every game. <laughs> and I came in, and I took over the, the team, and I was like, alright, this is, this is not happening anymore. Like, we're going to... We're gonna make this awesome, we're gonna make it excellent, we're gonna stop losing, we're gonna start winning. And the, this was met with a lot of opposition because the junior varsity team had a, kind of had this like participation mentality. If you show up, that's good enough. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. You don't get like a, you don't get a trophy for just showing up. You gotta actually work hard. You gotta actually have talent if you're gonna play. And this was so controversial. And why do you, why do you only play the good people? I want to win. That's why I want to play the good people. And this is so many people opposed it. But uh, I had all the moms would come to me and they're like, Ah, my son, I don't care. Like, oh, my, my son, they need to play. Uh, don't you know how awesome my son is? Like, I don't care. Your, your son either doesn't show up to practice or your son can't dribble, can't shoot, can't do anything. Like, I, your son's great, but he could sit on the bench. And this gets continued where I met a lot, a lot of opposition because I was the only one challenging this status quo of this, this culture of if you're on the varsity team, you work hard, you do awesome, you're excellent. If you're on the junior varsity team, like nobody cares and you just do whatever you want. And I was like, no, I'm going to challenge this. And uh, when I did, we started winning more and more games. So we won one game, then we won two games, then we won three. Then we started having a, a history of winning rather than a history of losing. And it's amazing because the people that were the most ardent uh, opposition, the people that fought against me the hardest, that gave me the harshest criticism, actually ended up becoming my biggest supporters. Mm -hmm. And then when after this, the football season was over and the basketball season took over, and I coached a junior varsity basketball team with the same mentality, they actually came to my support. Mm -hmm. And they actually stood up for me and they, they defended me. But this was really hard. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit scared because I didn't have a lot of history coaching. It was actually my first time ever coaching a team. And I just was like, hey, like, I just, I prayed about it. God gave me, was like, this is what you got to do. And so I did it. And even though I was afraid, and God blessed it. And the people that actually, that I thought were going to support me didn't support me. And the people that I thought were going to oppose me actually ended up supporting me. And so we see this in our life that 
that sometimes as leaders and sometimes as people, we just have to do things, mm. even when we're afraid. And it's okay to be afraid, because it's better to be afraid and to do something fearfully than to be confident and to do nothing. Mm. And so I want to really challenge us to, to go after the things in our life that maybe are even a little bit scary. So whether that is uh, stepping up in our responsibilities in the ministries, in the, in the church, whether that is going back to our boss and asking for a better salary, asking for a better uh, weekly um, schedule, so better hours, whether that is going after uh, a brother or sister who is starting dating, Come on. whether that is getting engaged, whether, whether that is maybe studying the Bible for the first time in your life. Whatever the challenging thing, whatever the scary thing is, I want to challenge you to go after it. To go after it, even if it still scares you. That's okay. But the fact that you do it, the fact that you put it into practice, God is going to bless that. And so, for us, sometimes, some, some of the people in the room might be the bold, charismatic, awesome, singing and dancing and amazing leader. But I think a lot more of us in, in this room are more like Gideon. They're more of the fearful leader. And the thing is, is that God still uses fearful leaders. God uses them very powerfully. And so, point number one, don't doubt yourself. Really believe that when God says he's able to use you, then he's able to use you. Mm. And that's not going to be your strength, it's going to be God's strength working through it. Point number two, when God gives you a huge challenge to go after, it's okay to ask for a sign. It's okay to ask for a little bit of clarity. Mm. But when God responds and gives you a clear answer, then it's time to obey. Mm. Then it's time to put into practice. And then point number three, when you're given the direction, even if you're afraid, still go after it. And when God's going to bless your action, God's going to bless your obedience, and you're going to find yourself doing things that you thought you were never able to do before. Mm. So, this is my lesson for all of you guys, all of the fearful leaders out there. I love you guys. Call me all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.